0: You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Team Guru Podcast. My name's David Frizzell, and my guest in this episode is Mark Carter. Mark is an expert in human behavior and believes that all our lives can be enriched by understanding our own values. Our relationships, our work, our careers, the way we view ourselves and the world around us. But values is a word that we throw around loosely, almost to the point that the word itself has lost its punch. What are values? How can I tap into mine and how can I apply them in the world around me? All this and more coming your way right now. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark Carter. Mark Carter, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, David. have been looking forward
0: to this, actually. Fabulous. Now, Mark, your book poses readers the question, what if you could bring more value to your work, your relationships, and your life? It starts with appreciating and enriching your self-worth and what you cherish. Could you have bitten off a bigger slice? You took on quite the challenge there making those kind of promises on the back of your book?
1: (laughs) Apparently so, right? I think though uh, my whole world revolves around learning and development and what I've learned is to simplify. So I think it sounds like a big apple, but it can be simplified in the same way that the Buddha talked about enlightenment and the path to enlightenment is very simple as well. Just sit still, right? It's the doing of the things that's more complex than understanding what they are. I think that's what it comes down to.
0: You know what? That is a fabulous point. It's the doing of the things that's more complex because we can talk it through and it can all make so much sense. And as you know, because I've just worded you up, I always ask my guests to leave us with three to five sort of actionable nuggets of gold. And they always make so much sense and they're always really motivating. And it's the actually doing it that is hard, it's the actual executing the idea, which is really difficult. I mean, if you were to have listened to all 140-odd podcasts of the Team Guru podcast, you've received over those five and a half years some fabulous pieces of advice. But the challenge is, how many of them have you been able to take on board and action and turn into habits? That's a really good point. You've got me already, Mark. Now, obviously, you don't have to read very far into your book to determine that the idea of values is really important in orienting ourselves and our life so that we get more self-worth and we're able to spend more of our time doing the things that we cherish. Why are values so central to that whole philosophy?
1: Well, whether we like it or not, or whether we consciously realize it or not, our values, what is deep within, is driving our decision-making and our choices and everything we're doing. And you know, you can even relate that when we're making decisions that we know don't feel right, we get that irksome feeling in the stomach because we just know it's not really sitting well with us by the same token that when you make that decision that you know really sits with your soul, you just feel so good about it, right? You feel really comfortable. And so our values are ingrained with us. They they really are part of our decision-making and our choices, regardless of whether that's our personal life or our professional world, which is why we say in the title, really, this is for both. they both- cross-pollinate.
0: I'm really fascinated to have this conversation because so often the word values is dropped in to all of this kind of professional self-development or even personal growth. And it's just glossed over as this really massive concept, but as if we should all really understand what it is. I mean, even more difficultly, even really understand what my own values are. So Let's work towards that. I'd love to hear your definition of values because I've read in your book that it's actually really difficult to define. I watched you deliver a TED Talk in which you talked about the same challenge of defining values. and Then I want to extract from you some advice as to how I can go about really understanding what my own values are, the true ones. Not the ones I tell people are my values, not the ones I write on my business card or or tell a prospective new friend, but the ones that really drive my behavior. I'd love to understand how I can better get a grip on those. So let's start with the tough question, Mark. How do you define values?
1: Yeah, the values are the things, your belief system, if you like. They're the belief system that underpin your choices and how you then go and face and deal with your world. And that's why the book deals with the TED Talk really talked more about this perception of value as well, they go hand in hand. Our perception of value is linked to our values, but our values really are the things that are dear to us. Now, coming back to something you just said, David, like you said, it's it's interesting. I agree that often it's a word, it's a big word, but it's glossed over. No. So for example, in a business sense, you see values often as posters on the wall, but if it's a poster on the wall, is it being lived? It's not the poster on the wall that's the values, it's the action, the behaviors that is the values, right? And that's what you come down to with yourself as well, to have, as you said, you might have values on your business card, but to look in a mirror and go, do I act with that, with consistency more frequently than not? That's where you start to get a sense of your true values, you know? I came from a background in travel, and so I like referencing this. You know, people can talk about wanting to really nurture the environment and all the rest of it, but... Do I really value the environment if I say yes to every plastic bag? If I don't opt in to neutralize my carbon footprint, then is that me really living that value of respecting the environment? I may have a tendency to when it suits me, but it's not really my truest value. Does that make sense? So I think it's really how you're acting is a great measure to check in with.
0: You know, for a while, I was so taken with this topic and I just looked in my notes on my phone and I still have it. I've got a note a note section in my phone entitled Values, because I really wanted to nail down these words. And I'm really aware that if I was to read these, and I won't, they just sound like words. They just sound like cliche words that you could have on a personal poster or in a, in a team office environment. But the beauty of it was that the thought that had gone into it and the swapping of words that seemingly were synonyms, but- over time and over thinking about it and redrafting my list of six values I kind of swapped words in and out and the word that I landed on as opposed to its very similar synonym meant something to me and it was really important and I always think about that in organizations when we create you know team charters or value statements over time they can seem like meaningless words on a page but for the group of people who were involved in the process of developing them Those words on the page remind them of the deep conversations they have in order to get to those words on a page. Same with me personally. my, My words in my phone note remind me of the conversations I had with myself. So I'm going to ask you this. On the premise that we all understand that they can just sound like words on a page, but they have meaning to the author, what are Mark Carter's values?
1: I would strip it back to a couple of simple ones, and they're actually in the book, right? They are come down to kindness and love. If I was to really bring it back, that's it, kindness and love, and acting with that in everything I do. Am I My interactions with everybody I'm having today, is it making a positive or going to leave a, a better impact on that person? And I may never know that, but I can only act with that intention. That's as simple as it gets for me and what I've learned. I think so. there's a point you've said there as well, David, which is really an important one with this as well, is because the values are, we identify them as words. Yet human beings, we are meaning-making machines. We give meaning to everything. And the meaning I give a word may not quite be the same as the meaning you give the word, even though it's the same word. Now, they might be. some of them are maybe obviously aligned, some are very similar, but you know what? Some are quite vastly different. And this is why you're right. In a business sense, when a business creates its values, that's why it's even more important to bring those to life through multiple examples to help contextualize the meaning with which it is meant, not the meaning with which somebody chooses to listen and perceive it with. And so when you're identifying your own, you know, whatever words they are, so long as you're clear for yourself what they are and what that means to you and are you living that daily, I think that's what's more important than whether somebody else has the same definition.
0: Yeah, that, that idea of perception is very important. It's very strong in your book. So tell me, when you work with a client, I know you've done a lot of coaching, How what's the process that you use to help them to understand what truly are their driving values, rather than the words they're willing to write down and share with someone, but the things that actually do drive them? Because if we're going to understand our own behavior, and if we're going to Follow this path of enriching our own self worth so that we can do the things that we cherish, which is what your book promises. I don't need to have an understanding of the values that I tell people. I need to have an understanding of the actual values that drive my behavior. What's the process of getting to those?
1: Yeah, there's a couple actually. I I wrote a couple of features on this recently actually for media, and it's a process to take people through to start. Some people actually, when you start asking this, they've actually never thought about it that deeply. And you can tell because it's kind of thrown down words. And you can, when you learn to coach, you can test just by asking open questions. Is you know, what does that mean to you? And if they can't describe what it really means, is it a value? You know, when you when you're adept at coaching, you know you can feel the energy with which they're saying it. Are they certain? Are they sure? And then it's a process of elimination. Sometimes when I'm working with people, it's just getting them to throw down a whole bunch, and then you refine that list by playing one off against another. Like unless you take them through a temperature checklist of. How about this word that you said versus this word? Which one really resonates for you? And you can do, you can do activities like that. Another one is um, to help people get really clear. Sometimes it's even asking them, who do they really admire and respect? Why? Because it's normally those traits and you can lead into the values or the traits at play. And how is that relevant in your world? How does that apply for you? So there's different creative ways I guess that you can help people refine them, but the starting point sometimes is actually just to really not take at face value, to your point, just because somebody's got them on their business card printed with a nice font and ink, it doesn't mean it's set in stone. It doesn't mean they really know them yet. So I think if you're coaching and working with people on this, ask enough questions to get to the depth to see if they really have the meaning, because if they do, they'll be able to explain it really clearly. And this is something in the book, right? When I, I kept asking that question, define value for me. How many people would be stumped or really not certain with that answer? That's a clue in itself right there.
0: And of course, your answer was very good. I asked you at the beginning of our conversation what values are, and you said that they're your belief system, the things that are dear to us. I really like that as a definition. Now, I'm going to admit that I was a bit confused. In your TED Talk, you talked about four values, and in your book, you talked about five so help me clear that up for a start, and then let's talk about those five values that you you cover in your book, the the types of values and what kind of world they live in. I you know I'm, I'm getting to that point that none of them live in isolation, but like a Myers Briggs type indicator, we all tend towards one. We live more comfortably in some of these five values than others. Can you talk us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, let me talk and take the first question about the difference between the four and the five. And this is, there's a subtle difference, right? The TEDx talk was how teddy bears increase our perception of value. The book is values of which value is a part. And in a TEDx talk, you understand it's quite tight on time. You're really capped, you've got 18 minutes. Trying to get a nuclear size atom message in 18 minutes of this model was already challenging. And I, so I alluded to in the TEDx, if you watch it again, you'll see that I'm alluding to the fact that we all perceive value differently, which is what the question is. So I framed that up in the opening, but I didn't feel it relevant to start diving into that fifth element of how people do it at that time at the TEDx. Hence the book is The Deeper Dive Model. You can only fit so much in a TEDx talk. You can.
0: (laughs) I I was noticing that because I was was paying particular attention. I've watched a number of TEDx's obviously like everyone has, but with yours, I was thinking, hey, I'm going to be talking to this guy tomorrow. And I was really paying attention to it and thinking, geez, you've crafted it so carefully because as you say, you've got to squeeze it into that 18 minutes and you nailed it at 17.41 or or something like that.
1: Can I share something? I've actually still, to this day, not watched my own TEDx talk. Oh, really? Why is that? And I'll tell you why, right? I did more work on that as a single presentation and I understand I do a lot of talks, my keynote. I did far more preparation on that as a single presentation than I've ever done on any other talk. The journey was so intense. And even something like you saw the size of that stage was massive. And I remember that the, the remote on the night was trying to stay on the red carpet, right? And the red if you saw it, it's this red dot with this wide stage. And I like to see my audience. So I was like a caged lion. I knew the direction of the talk. Um, even the way I designed the slides. I had no drop screen clues because every slide was a video that started as that transparent blue. So I wasn't I was literally purely wheeling and just trusting that the visuals would roll. And so it was such an intense talk. I just don't feel the need to watch it, <laughs> to watch it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Well, you did a very good job. You didn't stumble. You nailed your lines. The message was very clear. The audience was into it. So you should watch it. You probably enjoy it. But anyway, let's get to the five values. Tell us what they are and tell us about the context in which they survive.
1: Yeah. So I love – I'm a bit of a movie buff as well. So um, I like uh, Luc Besson as a director. The Big Blue is one of my favorite films, but he also did the movie The Fifth Element. And if you've seen that movie, you know Mila Jovovich was the fifth element, bringing the other four classic elements to life. And it made sense to use that sort of philosophy and Aristotelian thinking, Like hence, if you, again, with the book, it talks about these five elements. It's kind of the same. So the five elements, I'll start with what they are and then give them context in relation to each other. There is personal value, which is you. You are the fifth element. Without you, there is no value added to the world. There is no value to be perceived. So the fifth element in this case is actually the underpinning one. It's the special element, personal value. Tangible value is what a lot of people in business and, and when I started asking this question, which kind of sent me down this journey of finding a quite fascinating topic, was define value for me. A lot of them would instantly, with their business head, lead towards what I call tangible value, which is the value language of business. dollars, percentages, numbers and time. That's it. you measure it. Can you measure it? Can you point at it? Can you observe it? It's observable, measurable. So that's tangible value. Emotional value is something separate. And and hence on the TEDx talk, it's one thing people most know from that is the teddy bear, right? That's a classic example of emotional value. And I learned that from many years of working in tours in Europe. Daniel Kahneman got a Nobel Prize in 2002 for evidencing that People make more of their decisions at an emotional subconscious level, even if you're logically minded. That's emotional value. They are interlinked, but emotion sits underneath the tangible. Service value, and uh, I, I isolated it because when you, the more people you ask, and I asked enough, you start to realize there are times people will make a decision to support a cause because they believe in the cause and the impact that cause is making on the world. And it's not about the emotion necessarily, it's about the cause. That is service value. What's that impact to other people? What's our impact to the environment? What's our impact, is it long-term solutions that have got positive consequences? And what's interesting with that one is that those causes are like dichotomies because every action we're taking is either having a negative or positive impact. It's having a good or negative impact on the environment. So the service value one is really kind of looking at those four seesaws carefully when we make our choices. And then the final one, it's definitely is heavily aligned with emotional value. But it made sense to isolate it because it is talked about in my favorite TEDx talk, which is by Robert Waldinger, and it's the longest study of adult development lasting 80 years. JFK was part of the initial cohort. They found the secret to fulfilling life really is love, feeling supported and loved. The quality of the relationships that are close to us, and those really are the things that count and matter. And so when I structured, I looked at all these definitions, structuring a model, it became clear these five components and then with each, there was kind of four causes, which made it a nice philosophical model that tied in with Aristotle. And hence, I could even align it with those elements, right? Personal value, the special one, that's like the ether. Tangible value is grounded, therefore it's the earth. Emotional value, the universal symbol of emotion globally is water. So therefore that's water. Service value is an airborne Alexa because it is done person to person, hence the value is air. And relationship value, that's like fire because it's the warmth of the relationships in our world.
0: Whether it's a half-day Energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. Personal, tangible, emotional, service, and relationship are the five values that Mark has identified in his book. What I found really interesting is when you started asking your clients about their definition of value, the kind of definition they would give you, and I think Chris might have been his name, who you described in the book, said, value is something that people are willing to pay. And that makes sense from one point of view, from one of the five so the best examples of answers you got to that very tricky question, the best of them, some people just scratched their head or said, um, a lot, but the best ones always related to tangible, the value the value of language or the, the, the language of business, I'm sorry. And it's just one of the five. I find that really interesting that even though we walk around placing value on things, our relationships, services we use, or causes that we support, the emotional connection we have to people and groups and things and places and objects and songs and smells, it's just one of the five. And, and when we're asked to define it, we forget about all of those other things. That's amazing to me. Now, explain to us, Mark, do we all tend towards one of these? And ignore the others, or do we have a, a profile where we we kind of make up, you know, like a graphic equal, like an equalizer in a mixing studio where we can turn the volume up at different times on on different values? How do we work as human beings?
1: I love that, right? And it, so I'll share a couple of insider things with you. So the the Chris is actually Chris was a person that was asked that question, but Chris is also an amalgamation of several characters that I started asking that question with all those years ago. And it made sense to it because it was the common pattern. I think contextually, it's also interesting to understand that when I was asked, if I was asking that question and people were in a work sense, they may instantly have their business hat on. So that's why I would need to dig deeper. So it's fair to say that, but I'm mindful of that. And so then you take them out of it and that's where you start getting broader answers. But to your point, and this is where value, our values and our perception of value really is unique. It's our perception. And we have what I've learned to identify and understand this comes from working with behavioral tools as well. And the same way, if you, if you understand disc profiling, Myers Briggs, and any of these, Hogan Styles, whatever you use, you understand that those, a lot of those tools and take discs, they talk about preferences. We have preferences for acting a certain way. And think about the, this is no different. We have preferences for the filters with which we see value. However, what that might mean is we're missing the gold. So a classic example, an obvious classic example of this is, and you can you hear people talking about this. I, I know an, a designer who spoke to me about this recently, saying he's only recently really discovered the power of storytelling, because you know he's with his logical mind or brain on, and yet storytelling opens up doors of value like you wouldn't believe. Take the teddy bear. The reason I use that teddy bear talk in the TEDx talk. It's because I learned in Germany on Kentucky tours that when you tell people about the teddy bear it's literally version one the facts 100 years old moving arms and legs nobody cares but I love history so I'm always looking at the history when I went and found out about Margaret Steiff, I loved the story and I shared that story passionately all of a sudden half the group want a teddy bear you know they're p- because they're they're buying the emotional story alone is what sends them to really appreciate what's going on there so yes we have filters and preferences. And, may, and they may be situational. They may be situational, for example, in my home life, I may be more based on the emotional one. In my business life, I may be more on the tangible metrics. It might be driven by job. But that's the point, isn't it? In our communication, or if we're trying to build value, if we're doing that by default, we may be missing some gold, and especially where we're trying to communicate that message with other people. And so, just by a broader awareness and what I call filling the value buckets, when I build this model with businesses, is to help them build customer experience or sales methodologies with all of these value buckets being filled up. Because when you really fill the value buckets up is when you engage people on a much deeper
0: level. So, part of the insight here is for me to have a look at these five values and give myself an honest assessment. However, I might choose to do that, I might give myself a, a score out of 10 on each of them and, and graph them. And I might see, for example, that I'm very strong on the tangible. I I like to think think about things in the language of business: what it's worth, what its return on investment is going to be. Even the way I buy the house and and buy the kids' bikes. Are we going to be able to sell that when the when the kid grows too big for it? All of that kind of stuff. And as I graph it, I might see: look, very strong in tangible, pretty you know, pretty strong in service, but. You know the the relationships, that substance of life. I'm really letting that slip. You know, I'm not catching up with my friends over time. I'm letting the busyness of life drown out those relationships. I'm not letting decisions be made on my emotions. I'm ignoring my gut. I'm I'm making decisions that give me that strange pang because I feel as though the rational brain, the tangible, is allowing me to do that. And your suggestion, your hypothesis, and advice and insight is suggesting, hey, once you've created that snapshot of yourself, actively work to even out the buckets, to fill the other bucket. Is that part of the hypothesis?
1: That's exactly it in a nutshell. And so it's a great point, again, you say like to measure it, like to self-reflect. At some stage, and this is going to be a deeper body of work for me, my idea and plan is to help build tools that can measure and give you these as clues. But right now, that's it's too complex, and I didn't want to rely on that alone to get the model out and so really just by going through them you already start to see and read it It is i've been training this stuff out for years as well so when you start training it people already get a great sense where they can see the ones they do very well or they can see where there's ones they can improve and it's it's a little bit think about like emotional intelligence the same which is measured right emotional intelligence and from all the different tools there's many of them but i'm accrediting a couple one of them has got five facets they measure them and they talk about emotional intelligence in the same way it's a wheel, it's five elements, and they can go up or they can go backwards, depending on what's going on. It's different stages in life. And the same is true here. It's this wheel. Think about these like a wheel, and it's just by giving them attention, giving it attention and focus is often enough to identify very simple strategies to apply. And the way we we wrote the model and book as well, uh, Wiley did a great job working with me on editing that, was at the end of each chapter, we've left in A set of strategic tips that are simple, pragmatic, do this because if you do this, chances are you're already working on that. And then you can take from those, the ones that resonate and put them into action. Or the model also reflects just self-reflection alone, looking in a mirror and asking yourself honestly and being creative, you probably identify some actions for yourself that you know you can do.
0: Mark, I'm going to ask the the for the golden nuggets in a minute, so we can leave with our listeners some actionable steps they can take. They've bought into your concept, they they understand the five values, they they want to know what they can do tomorrow to start living this stuff. But before we get there, I'm going to ask you another personal question. When you look at these five values, and I, I guess we're we're just looking at two to five because the first one, as you say, is is the combination of all of those. It's the essence of the strength of all all of them, and I get that. When you look at those others, tangible emotional service and relationship, and you're being really honest with yourself, are you weighted more heavily in some than others? Absolutely. I even
1: wrote that I wrote this in the book as well. I, you know, do, the interesting thing for me was doing that model and curating that model from observing and asking and getting all these inputs. I may have authored the model, but I'm not an e- a practicing expert in every facet that I'm a an ninja. In. And I call this out like that. So you know, I've always found budget's a great suggestion, but my, my perception of tangible value at times is well, I'm more creative and loose, right? Budget's are a great idea, but if I need to blow it, I will. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and that's that doesn't always serve me well. It doesn't always serve <laughs> really? me well. You know, and that's one I constantly, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> that's one I constantly need to work on, you know? And even and an, another one that really leapt out for me more in the recent years is that impact to environment. As much as I know that i do believe i want to make a positive impact if i'm looking harshly in a mirror which i have been i'm having to make more and more choices to be a better person to make a better impact on environment because it takes constant work to do that and i'm far from there are people that are far better proponents of that than i am but i'm doing the work
0: where's the um the environment one fit in do you think is it part of the emotional or part of the relationship perhaps yeah. service, service service value wrong i I, I swung all around it
1: yeah so service value is the four because each of the five elements have what we call four causes if you like and there's a little nursery rhyme at the back of the book that helps anchor them nursery rhymes are a great way to learn by the way that's why that's why i wrote it and put it in but environment the the service value one is this dichotomy of am i looking after myself and others am i looking at solutions and the possibilities and consequences long term like the the problems and the solutions, and the possibilities and consequences long-term, but am I also considering my impact on the environment? That is a part of that service value model.
0: So where are your strong, where are your heavy buckets? Where Where are you strong in your values out of these four?
1: Ah, my my heavy buckets, yes. I would say the relationship and emotional values are the ones that are really the ones I live in. You know, the I'm, I mean, I'm all about other people, people that really know me, the people in my world that actually work with me closely know how much I give, collaborate, generous. I'm all about that emotion and, and others around me. So that's really my heavy buckets: emotional value,
0: relationship value. All right, very nice. And I'm sure over the time, as you say, writing the book, just the process of thinking it all through, you've had these amazing opportunities to reflect on yourself as you as you churn over the content. What a great experience! Now, Mark, let's leave the listeners with some gold nuggets. What have you got for us? People are sitting listening to this; they're on a bus or a train or a plane, and they've bought into your wisdom. They they like the model, they understand it. What can they do tomorrow to make sure they don't forget about all this good stuff?
1: Yeah, cool. I'm I'm going to share four with you that spring to mind for for the sake of tonight. The first one is as you whether you read the book or whenever you're doing learning and development, and professional growth make sure you actually take an action. And the way I like talking about that is think when you read the book or go and do a course, it's like having 20 ping pong balls thrown at you and you're not going to catch them all. But when you're attentive, you'll catch one, meaning go do it. Because once you've done it, you can come back and pick another one up and then go and do it. So just set simple actions, not 10 at a time. One action at a time is how you integrate a world and change your world. So set a practical action, whatever that is, whether it's one suggested for you or one that you make up.
0: The second tip- is I like the ping pong ball analogy. That's very good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, I, I, I use it when I'm training. Hey, I'm going to throw 20 ping pong balls that you get ready to catch them. Even when you're at intent, you're not going to catch them all, but you will catch one. The second one, it sounds a little, uh, and this will make sense in a minute, but it's actually learn to say no. Learn to say no and mean it when you mean to. And the reason I say that is because often that's what living our values is really about is we might cave or we might say yes or tag along and go along with other things, even though we know we don't necessarily want to. So the simple process of learning to say no and mean it, and you can do that really kindly. You know, there's a quote that's a bit out of date and I cite this in the book, you've got to be cruel to be kind. I don't agree with that. It comes from Hamlet times. I think it's out of date. I think a better way and it ties in with the framework Sometimes you've got to be candid to be kind. You can be candid, straight shooting, and still be kind. You don't need to be cruel with it. So learning to say no, learning to push back is very practical. And some people struggle with that based on profile types and their behaviors. The third one is very much relevant for the times we live in. In fact, the timing for the book and model, I think Wiley and I were both happy, especially on the back of this year. And The digital age is already challenging enough. And I think this year has really highlighted a lot of people are reestablishing what they value and what their values are. Focus on your real world relationships and worry less about trying to amass those digital masses. Don't sacrifice quality of your real world relationships for strangers that you don't even know. And there's so many reasons why that one would be applicable. But be where you are. If you're having dinner with friends, be there. If your concept be there, not through the camera lens. The fourth one and final one, and it ties in Then it's hardly surprising because when you asked me what mine were and I kind of answered this already, but it, there was a quote I remember reading a long time ago and I've learned this many instances on my own journey where simplest of actions that you've taken have a, a ripple effect that in my instance have made an impact to business cultures and find out about it 16 years later from something so simple and ridiculous you don't even know. Everything you do has a consequence. Therefore, make sure that you're choosing wisely and simply be kind. Be more accepting, judge less, be kind. That's it. In a nutshell, if there was one ultimate one, I would say that's the one.
0: It's a very nice way to end it. Mark Carter, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for joining me on the Team Guru Podcast. Thank
1: you so much, David. I enjoyed it. So I've been really looking forward to coming. I love your work. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. Really appreciate it.
0: And that was Mark Carter. An absolute pleasure to chat with. I loved his four tips for discovering and living your true values. Number one, take action on whatever it is you're learning. Remember the ping pong ball analogy. If someone throws 20 at you, you'll never catch them all. But if you really focus on one, you'll catch it. Number two, learn to say no and mean it. You've got to be candid to be kind. Number three, focus on relationships, that is real world relationships, not those that are online. And number four, everything you do has a consequence. Be kind. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Mark on the Lessons Learn page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.